Hello and welcome to the DMs Book Club, a podcast where we read about some Dungeons Dragons and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing games. Back again, I think this is his Zoom room, not mine at this point, as we come in, is Rob. Rob, how are you, my friend? Hello, I'm all right, thank you. It's very early. Someone yeah. said, let's record at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and yeah. that person should be shot, yeah. taken out and into the desert and I shot. S- I seem to remember there was like a bargain about, oh, ten. Half nine? Nine? Yeah, it got got very stupid. It got stupid, but it's okay. We're here now. We're here now, and we've both made the choice, and it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Rob, what are we talking about today? What is our topic of choice? So today, it's Al-Kadim, the classic second ed D&D setting that I've never played in. Um, I've always wanted to. I always saw it as a box Mm. on the shelf, and I always looked in the um, original player's handbook. When you first opened, not the original, in the second ed, when you opened the page, there was was sort of a list of all the settings, Mm. and Al-Kadim was the one you could never find in the shops. Um, along with Hollow Earth and Birthright, people remember them. And uh, I always looked at it and thought, well, actually, I want to talk about it. I want to read it and talk about it. I'm a big fan of certain films that we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it'd be a fun one to explore. And it's something that's been seemingly untouched in 5e, I yes. think. I, I, it doesn't seem to have any sort of influence on 5e at all. I mm. may be wrong on that. I'm sure YouTube commenters will um, <laughs> let us know if we've got that wrong. But yeah. It seems to have been almost not forgotten because with the coaster still you can still buy the PDFs online. Mm-hmm. But it seems to have been one almost like Dark Sun that has been a bit sort of you're, you still exist but you're over there. But yeah. as we've seen literally yesterday, two days ago, Dragonlance, yes, Belljammer being brought back. Mm. Um, Maybe Al-Kadim, I doubt it, though, because I think they won't want to sort of touch on the... Because there are issues with Al-Kadim. Yeah, so Al-Kadim is basically an Arabian Nights-themed campaign setting, and it's set in the land of uh, Zakara, this idea of land of fate and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's sort of get these inspirations from sort of the real sort of Middle East what used to be Persia, Turkey, all the way to sort of the, sort of the big mountains of Spain, and then the mythological sort of like Middle East and all those sort of myths and legends and stuff like that as well. And of course, Arabian Nights from Hollywood films as well. And so I will say this, that the original campaign setting was written by white people. <laughs> so I wonder, it's it is interesting because people have actually been asking for an al update and stuff like that. The people are keen on it because it's a very right. interesting setting. Yeah. But I think the worry is that obviously if it is updated, it needs to be treated with great sensitivity and get some more voices in to reflect yeah. the culture that it's talking yeah. about as well. Very much so, because it is very, it's almost like the source text is the sort of 50s and 60s films about Arabia and those tropes, rather than, say, going deep into, okay, if we're going to base it on Arabia in the 15th century, let's go and have a look at Arabia in the 15th century. It's more, okay, let's watch Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger and make a film out of that. Um, a, yeah, exactly. That. Exactly. And I will say as well, just as sort of like, yeah, Feyrune is sort of based on medieval Europe, but without signposting like, this is France, this mm. is blah, blah, blah. Same thing with Al-Kadim as well. It is definitely drawing on all these influences, but it's not saying this is a particular part mm. of it, which I do think is quite 
obviously it, it saves it saves any trouble i guess yeah. but I, I will say that at the top but as yes. you said there are some interesting elements of it which again it has that very much like a legacy disclaimer saying things have changed since we've written this book so going yeah. going into that with an open mind i guess is the main thing because i i certainly did that and it, I, mm. I actually was very interested in actually how it was portrayed because it was very different to what i expected actually yeah the society it, it, depicts is actually very progressive it's very interesting it's <laughs> yeah. very like it taught it literally has soul sidebars about the role of women in the societies and also mixed races and stuff mm-hmm. uh, in terms of obviously we're talking D. so while it is also the arabian nights there are also dwarves and elves and orcs and gifyaki and all your all your things it puts across a land that's much seems nicer to live in than the rest of the Forgotten Realms. We should also mention it is actually also in the Forgotten Realms. Yes, it is. It's down south, uh, mm. east, past yeah. sort of the further sort of the um, Toril and that sort of thing. And it's yeah, if you look at the big map of it, as you as you were saying before, it is sort of down there, neatly cut off from everything else. Um, very, it, it's very hard. To, yeah, it's very hard to get into it. I guess because mm-hmm. obviously, I guess it wants to be self-contained as a setting. But I'm sure you could portal yeah. your way there or use magic carpets or anything like that to Absolutely. get over it so yeah and or you know have a certain sailor sailing from it to the forgotten realms yeah through the crowded sea absolutely yeah. absolutely but i found i don't know about you fiona mm-hmm. it's interesting because it's kind of split to read about it you need two supplements it's yes. very strange you have alkadim arabian adventures and yes. this is the the, the mechanical book it explains the setting kind of quite loosely yeah it brings in a lot of specific rules to the setting which we'll go through because i think some of them are brilliant and actually i think a lot of them are things that now we take for granted in 5e there's things you go that's standard but it was not in second ed mm-hmm. and then there was a box set released there was, yep. a couple, there was actually two box sets released but the box that you needed was called the land of fate yes and this was players gazette you know here's the land He's literally down to everyday life, what people have yeah. for breakfast, how they walk. Um, and I feel like a lot of that is pulled from maybe reality. And I'm using bunny ears here. Yeah. But obviously the sort of, you know, ideas. And it presented a gazette which actually is a lot of information to read in one go. A lot it's of information. <laughs> less than toeless. But, uh, yes, true, <laughs> true, true. It, it explains the city-states. It explains the different organisations that exist. It explains how the civilizations are run. And then classically, there's the player book, then there's the DM's book, and the DM book goes, and here's the truth behind it all. Yes. Um, which which is I thought quite cool, yeah. Yeah, I really like that. And I really liked in that how it gives you, in the Player's Gazette, it'll say something like, in this city, in, this, in the city of Cuz, the Caliph has gone mad because his favourite daughter has disappeared. Mm-hmm. Then when you open the DM's book, it will give you three reasons why, why that's happening. You pick it. Yeah, I think that's great. I quite like that. And yeah, so that the adventurer's guide to Sakar, this whole sort of region is called Sakar. It read very much like a lonely planet guide, incredibly detailed. And actually, yeah. I was actually quite interested in it because it's obviously we'll go into it in a lot more detail with this idea that there's two sort of separate sort of nations coexisting and what a day in the life for each of them is and right down to obviously as uh, you sort of mentioned it off podcast but a coffee ritual called to prayer all that's been really detailed yeah. and i think i do suspect when this the creating this thing the uh it was obviously another uh, jeff grubb uh, creationist yeah. i like the idea that well again i don't know if this is true but i like the idea that it's that sort of thing where this is such a different culture than most people would be aware of so maybe they were like here is a full-on primer exactly what you're expected or what is expected and that's because it's so different to 
medieval Europe, all that sort of thing. So they're like, we want to make an effort to be like, even though it is, it is a lot to read, I will say yes. that I'm holding it up. You know, it's 120 pages for a player if you're trying to get into it, compared to the Tolus thing. Yes, it could do with a 30 page, but here's what you really, really need to know. Um, but I, yeah, I, I really liked it though. I have to say, I think it's incredibly well written. I, yes. I enjoyed 100%. reading it. It was actually like, even when you're down to, because there were points where you'd be reading the attire and you go, okay, I can actually skip this. Like, I get the idea, skip it. But it's very well written. It's, it's an interesting read. It, I didn't get bored reading it because the even points where I thought I don't need to read this and didn't feel like I don't want to read this mm-hmm. just for the purposes I need to record a podcast tomorrow. So yes, <laughs> you exactly. know I, I can't read all these, but yeah. it's really well done. Like yeah. you get a good sense of this place. Mm. And I said to you immediately, I was like, ah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm going to be running an adventure in a different setting. I was like, God damn it, I should have picked this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it draws you in. It's really interesting in yes. terms of how it's presented and what there is in it. It is the Arabian Nights, but should we yes. talk about what makes it a bit D&D-ish? What, yes. what, what do you think makes it? Why aren't you playing uh, a Power by the Apocalypse game set in the Arabian Nights? What What do you think Ooh. makes this? I know I've just sprung this on you. But <laughs> yes, what you do have. you think <laughs> makes this um, a bit more D&D-like than mm. another setting? I think... I mean, you could do this for any settings now that I think about it. But this, yeah, I, this, this idea that... So these, let's talk about the two nations very quickly. So you've mm-hmm. got the... I've listened to so many pronunciations guys to try and get this yeah. right. I'm not going to write. You get the city dwellers, which is the Al-Hadir. And then you've got the sort of the nomads, the desert dwellers, sort of Al-Bada. And what I love about it is that they coexist. You know, they, obviously you have a few raiding parties from the desert dwellers, etc. But each group, each sort of civilization, pities the other one. <laughs> Because they're like, well, oh, they, you know, poor things. They don't have houses. Oh, poor things. They're trapped in their cities, you know. Yeah. And I actually quite liked the description and that sort of the sort of beliefs on that mm. because it's very true, right? You have friends who like own a boat or anything like mm. that, and you're like, oh, that's not a river. Oh, but now I'm free to roam the the riverways and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think so. That feels very much like. You know, that sort of thing where you in- encounter other groups of people, say, in fantasy settings, and you mm. maybe you don't understand their point of view, but they're not aggressive towards you, or they're not like, yeah. well, you must take our ways and stuff, which leads on to they had this big belief that, as with all sort of D&D settings, that there's pantheons of gods, mm. and it doesn't matter what god you believe in, if it's not one of the traditional gods, the uh, Zakarans, they're happy for you to, they're willing to have that conversation with you, willing to have that tolerance, talk about it, want to actually engage in chat to you about it so they're happy for you to accept any god but if you don't worship any god that is seen as suspicious which again that's very different to other things because obviously you know again there is that sort of coexistence with gods in general but obviously there is like evil gods in quotation marks and good gods in al-kahim no god is really considered evil or good it's just a whole pantheon of different things very greek-like in a way which i quite yeah it almost feels like a a setting where the alignment system falls away like there, there are there are certain powers that are literally you know capital E evil mm-hmm. and uh, capital G good, but it doesn't feel as important because it no. feels like a society where there's a lot more intermingling. Yes. It's a lot. It's almost like you're comparing, as you say, the medieval Europe approach of the traditional forgotten realms of yes. there and they believe something different to me. Thus, I should tie them to a stake and set them on fire. Yeah. Compared yeah, yeah. to. No, you can come to my house and we'll have a meal, and you can yes. stay for three nights and we'll talk. And then you leave and that's done. I think what I liked about it, mm. it felt like a society where people weren't jerks. Yeah. It felt like a society that you wanted to visit and, yeah. and 
walk around the sneaks and yeah uh, it has this sort of these sort of principles which are very hidden away i think in the the adventurous guide but it comes across in the the fortune of fates a little bit more this idea of like honor family is super important this idea that you you, again you have huge families crammed into small places because that's just the way that society works but moving up but this you hit on it slightly this idea of hospitality that you know you are no matter coffee you've you've got to do it i'm laughing with coffee laughing with coffee uh this idea idea that's um bond of salt it actually talks about in the the fortunes of fate talks about a, a story i think mm. from a thousand and one nights this idea that uh someone goes to trying to get simbad's treasure or something like that and they they can't physically attack them because they've shared food which has salt in it and the idea is that salt takes three days to pass through the body so that's you are under that person's protection and hospitality so you you can't really do anything to harm your host yeah. and similarly they have to look after you till then and it's just this it's unspoken rule that everyone mm. is super lovely to you and obviously uh, and after three days you, you have to excuse yourself going well i must leave like sort of like yeah. knee slap off we get uh to move on to the next thing yeah. so, and it's I just, your role to leave yeah. as yeah. well <laughs> <laughs> i think what i i'm going to answer my own question about the dnd please do yeah it. i think what they've done a really good job is presented the society which is very much a western view of the orient and i'm using that in the term of how people used to use it exactly. the orient yeah. and you know this mystical east where all these you can almost imagine these people coming back to the the flat realm going oh they're such wonderful people you know they the all big sand and planes yeah, and, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah you always expect this was but what they've done is i think brought dnd into it very cleverly with the use of magic Mm-hmm. There is basically almost a not a different magic system, but wizards are very different. You don't have that classic. He's the fireball mad mage. She's the 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 from I don't know what they're called now. All the spells. What's the one she does on Ox Venture all the time? That one. Um, Eldritch Blast. Eldritch Blast. Okay. Uh, mage. Um, <laughs> I like the fact I knew what it was. I was just yeah. if you could, I was like, how own it in? Yes, Eldritch Blast. Yes, um, yes, yes. And the clerics aren't just. Oh, that's a monk. The clerics yes. are very different. There's different strands of clerics. From these kits, kits. essentially, is this idea that um, it gets to specializations, almost like I'm mm. sure there were subclasses a little bit before, but it sort of really introduced it into the second edition, this idea that you really specialize stuff. And yeah. yeah, it talks about this idea of like if you're starting in an Alcahim setting and you're creating a character, that you are these different kinds of, of warriors. But if you're from outside, if you're bringing in an adventure in, then that's a completely different kit and specialization, yes. which I get um, very interesting. Brilliant. So I'll, I'll do this example. Please. I've got a PDF in front of me now. So, for example, you're not just a fighter. You have a fighter. But you're not just a fighter. There's all the different types. So there's Askars, which are the sort of almost what we'd see as a town sheriff kind of thing. You'd be mm. the person in your settlement that you sort things out and smash people about and keep the peace. And what they do is with each of them, it gives you here's some weapon proficiencies you might like. Mm-hmm. Here's a bit of equipment. Each of them comes with a special bonus, but usually a hindrance as well. Corsair. You're still a fighter. You're still a fighter, level one fighter, but you're a Corsair. And that means that you are, you know, on the seas, you're you're very Sinbad-like. This gives you the benefit of you get two weapons to fight with in that classic, you know, two scimitar style kind of thing. But, you know, you've got problems because people are like, oh, look, it's a Corsair. I'm not going to talk to them. (laughs) Um, You've got... Swashbucklers, you. (laughs) Yeah, you've got desert riders. You've got holy warriors. You've got Mamluks, the slave warriors. You've got mercenary barbarians. And then, as you say, yes, if you come out, if you're actually from the Sword Coast and you had a shipwreck and you washed up, there's a kit called like Outland Warrior, which mm-hmm. just represents you are a fighter from D&D, washed up. And that's fine. You get a few proficiencies. I mean, it literally just says make a fighter from D&D. But yeah. I think these kits 
really add flavour mm-hmm. because wizards become not just wizards. You've got sorcerers, which I know nowadays is, isn't it's, a bigger change, but that was a big change in second ed. Yeah. You've got elemental mages who, if you think about it, imagine being a water elemental in a desert setting. That'd be it would become special. the focus of a community, you know, because mm. you're the one who's able to draw the water from the well. You would, you know, you wouldn't have to dig those wells; you could draw mm. it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more importantly, and I hope I pronounced this correctly, are the Shais, yep, who are basically the the genie mages. These are the mages that know how to summon genies, have genie law, because we can't talk about this setting without talking about genies. Because, I guess <laughs> they are here. <laughs> they are there, and they are integral to actually the the, the world. Because again, to bring the D and ness to it, you have the the holy city, which I can't remember its name off the top of my head. And this is Mecca mixed with Istanbul. It's your classic uh, mix of Jerusalem. It's got a golden mosque in it and everything, yep. and it is entirely undefended. Yeah, completely open, no walls. Has a city guard, obviously, and. It says this specifically, is that it looks open because it's protected by genies, mm-hmm. loads and loads of genies. And there's a specific example of when a desert raider got all his lads together and rode onto the city and they were met by a single mage who was just like, no, yes. you, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. And they, they you know, rode him down and then 20 genies appear and then begin competing with each other to see yeah. who can destroy the most of these desert raiders in the most ridiculous grotesque way you're like Which, wow yeah, <laughs> don't you can mess either with take us <laughs> awful like they're turning people inside out and stuff yeah or you almost if you want to and you're your type of group you can almost picture the robin williams genie oh yeah know, turning into a giant anvil and and landing on Ooh. you know a thousand men at a time kind of yep. thing so yeah yeah yep. the kits add so much flavour immediately yeah. to this setting. And the may, how the magic is done, I think, is very... You can pick up Jafar from Aladdin. You can pick up the baddie from The Seven Voyage of Sinbad and drop them in and make them a character without manipulating anything. You literally mm. have these things. And I just really... I think these kits are really interesting. I don't know if there is a 5e equivalent. You can tell me you're the... You're the 5e guru. I'm the 5e Oh, no. That's yeah. even worse. Uh, no, I think, like, yeah, to the specialisation, obviously with 5e you have the subclasses and backgrounds, and I think this is what the kit was trying to do, but there's nothing, like, even then, like, I'd say it's not as flavoursome like like this, like the fact you have almost, like, over 10 different types of wizard kit class and all that sort of thing. And I think it's interesting to have like, oh, you are not from these lands. Here's a specific kit about what happens when you're here. I think that's really interesting that you're that no matter where you are, your backstory fits into this place. And I think that's yeah. really just really interesting as a result. And yeah, you got obviously with rogues and priests and all that sort of thing. Mm. You got and you got your know, the outlands on that as well. So it's yeah, yeah I think it's it's very interesting because again, it's something I had not really considered. And yeah, I love the idea that you you have you are so we would have specialized so if we take the fighters, for example, like yeah. you said, this whole place, Sakara, is obviously, it is mostly desert, but it's salt plains, there's mm-hmm. rocky cliffs and everything like that. But it's also it's surrounded by huge, three different seas with yeah. islands. So of course you're going to have the Corsair, the sort of the sea-faring adventurer versus, you know, a, a desert rider and all that sort of thing, because the land is so very different, very much, so much different than a, a medieval fantasy. It doesn't, let's face it, it doesn't have that much water because it's mostly landlocked or big lakes and stuff like that, and it's mostly green probably difficult terrain yeah so it's just yeah. very very different 
and it really goes into detail about the terrain. Yeah, yeah. What this originally shipped with, which you unfortunately can't get now unless you want to pay a lot of money on eBay, is you got a number of maps in box mm. because second at D&D, and it gave you a plastic laminate hex sheet yeah. which you placed over the map and it would change scale depending which map you're using. But it goes into real detail about travelling and exploring the lands because it's something to think about because you do, in D&D, you do overland travel and it's kind of a bit like, okay, we're going to travel along the road, then we go to the forest, inevitably bandits and wolves, and then we're fine. (laughs) Here, though, you might not run into anyone for days Mm. and... You don't want to be wearing heavy plate when you're crossing a desert. No. You know, it, it, you need to think about this. You need to think about water. I'm going to go on a little tangent here. Go for it. Then we're going to go back to the D&Dness because I've already mentioned two, but I think it's really interesting to talk about how to get this into your head. And I've mm. put together a film list that yes. I think would be good to watch. And I've, I've added some to it. Mm. So I think if you really want to get into Alcadim, you want to be watching... The two FIFA Baghdad films from 24 and 1940. Mm-hmm. Trigger warning, so racist. Yes. But there you go. They're there. Then you've got the classic Sinbad trilogy. You've got the Harry House, the Ray Harry House. And these are the most deep. This is an Al Qadim. These are free Al Qadim films because you have, I mean, there's literally a monster, which is an island giant, which is the Cyclops from yes. the Seven Voyage of Sinbad. Like it's literally, <laughs> they went, let's do these. And the first supplement for. Alcadim is a, a Sinbad mini yeah. campaign, effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got Seven Voyages of Sinbad, Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger, and the Golden Voyage of Sinbad. They're not very good, but I love them. They're great. Yeah. If you want to suffer, you can watch the 2010 Prince of Persia film, which um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, no. Very boring. Ooh, very dull. It's a shame, because that's such a good video game. The original video yes. game is amazing, but yes. But that's one to watch. And then I've got a few off-kilter ones, which I think are important. Mm. Watch Kingdom of Heaven. It's not Ooh, very good. No. But if you want to see what it would be like to take a D&D adventurer, a fighter, and land them in the desert and see what you would suffer through, Kingdom yeah. of Heaven That's, is the one. Is that, is that the Yolanda Bloom one? Yes. Yeah, Yolanda Bloom in the Crusades. I would, I would see that in the cinema. I thought there you good. go. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, no. They had to CGI people's eyes back in. Uh, oh, wow. In the sandstorm, <laughs> everyone's closing their eyes, so they had to CGI their no eyes back way. in. No yeah. way. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out now. Wow. Lawrence of Arabia. Yes, it's 200 years too late. Yes, it's a white saviour story. But if you want to get a sense of the desert Mm. and the lives of the Bedouin, you're not going to find a better film other than, Mm. you know, actually a film from those people. Mm. Um, And the last two examples, because I always have to talk about this because it's my favourite franchise. Yes. Dune. Yes. And I think Dune is essential for Al-Qadim because... Arrakis is Al-Qadim in a thousand years. Mm-hmm. It is a society we've already talked about. You've got the desert people, you've got the town people, and they pity each other. Mm-hmm. That's you. That's the Fremen. It is, and that's yeah. the people in the cities. Yep. To some people, the Fremen are wild and uncouth, and their bread tastes like dirt. But to the Fremen, they're free, and they yes. can do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And the idea of religion, as you've already mentioned, and the idea of prophecy and fate... Fate is huge yes. in Al-Qadim. There is, in fact, a mechanic brought into it where you call upon the eye of fate, which I don't know if there's an equivalent now. Love it. You're already 20. I think you're looking for a 20. And basically, it's kind of a, a god goes, you know, but if you roll a one then you've got the evil eye on you kind of thing and there's a great belief I mean it's called the land of fate because there's a great belief in destiny and fate in Alcadim which Mm -hmm. I think June obviously that's the through line Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that is really important to get over that there is a there's a different mindset in this land and if you're going to role play in this land 
if a bad thing happens, you almost have to have that kind of, well, it was always destined to happen. Mm. As opposed to, as opposed to, it's a difficult one because I think how we role play has changed massively. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And I've said this in Discord to you, how I now feel like an old man looking at role playing. When I watch people, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and D&D has gone from, in my eyes, there was a period where it was very high fantasy, almost Errol Flynn-like people slapping their legs and laughing and stuff mm-hmm. to closer to a Game of Thrones, muddy crap, horrible world. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's a lot more, there's a lot more levity yeah. than that. But there's still this sense of, there's a little bit of grime, I think, to the Forgotten Realms kind mm. of thing. Oh, yeah. Whereas Alcadim feels a bit more wondrous. I think it still has that exoticness, yes. that wondrousness. And I think they've brought in mechanics to this, which could be imported into 5e, such as fate, calling upon fate, calling upon the gods. Mm. I don't know if, again, is there an equivalent to that? I, I don't know. Uh, like, obviously, you can, like, call on the, certain spells, you can do it, but they're very uh-huh. high level. And, I, and let's just do this for context as well. So this idea of fate, so it, it, there's a big history about how uh, Zakara came in to existence, this idea that it was lots of warring nations, lots of clans are going against each other. And there was a woman who sort of spewing sort of like um, wisdom throughout the whole of, uh, you know, basically laws. And this, this person was sort of given sort of the name of fate and the, the lawgiver, uh, this, uh, this other maiden sort of wrote them down on scrolls which then she then hid in a cave which uh, it does sound like if you've um, read seen book of mormon or, or know of anything like that. similar but not quite i will say that but she hid heisley scrolls in the cave and then years and years later a, a young boy finds them and starts talking about the wisdom that he's found and he becomes the first great caliph sort of this ruler that all the other clans unite underneath and it's sort of <laughs> and from from this person uh, a whole line sort of again very sort of bloodline goes down and everyone's respects that and the sort of power goes down from him so this idea that you have those three sort of big figures you have fate you have the lawgiver and you have the great caliph as well which are, those are the, those are the important things if you're not entirely sure what the sort of structure is it's sort of that sort of history as well so i think that's that's very important but it's, it's so true about the fate stuff this idea that because yeah. it's such a part of belief that everything is about faith and like you said like oh fate is not smiled upon you so there is a story about the current great caliph uh, mm-hmm. in the capital city the city of delights he does not currently have an heir and again in the the fate and fortunes i think it talks about like reasons why that could be the case that fate mm. has not smiled upon him for a, a long time and he's trying everything to get back it or it has not smiled at him just yet and he's just around the corner from having uh, a male heir and all that sort of thing so it's interesting how there's this again completely different to how we sort of do medieval uh role-playing games i guess mm. or that sort of history sorry that there's such a great deference saying this is the thing this is the reason why and it's almost out of your control and it's a, a sort of, again, freeing in that. Like, I, I don't know about yourself, but I get so anxious. I'm like, oh, but I need to control everything and it just must be work. You know, in, in my real life, not role-playing yeah. games, I've got over that, I think. But then you're like, yeah, you just go, oh, it's not smiled upon you to stay. And you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. rubbish, but okay. And you, just, and yeah. you just accept it. And I think, yeah, that's true. We don't rely that that mechanic, the roll of the die, it's mm. not as important, I guess, because it's not like, oh, if only I'd roll it better or something like that. It's just like, it's always destined to be that role. And it's just a different mindset. Yeah. And I think that is really important to keep in mind the whole way through. You, you don't want to fall into the trope of doing a terrible impression of no. an Arabian merchant and stuff. Because I think that'd be quite mm. easy to do. You don't want to fall into that. And I think that is. That is a trap you can fall into, just as you can if you play um, anything set in like a, a samurai society, a Far East society. You don't 100%. want to fall into that. And I think that's important. To go 
back to what you were saying about how the, the law developed, it's interesting. It is a woman who wrote these laws because mm. the gender politics of this place is very interesting. Mm. It's very... It's not very, it is more open, it feels like, Mm. in terms of opportunities and um, sort of experiences for women in the setting. There is Mm. the traditional view, there's the the classic Arabian Nights, there's a sultan and his 12 wives kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, there's also the reverse, where it talks about uh, women who have multiple husbands. Um, And that's an accepted thing in certain families and stuff. There are certain places that don't like it. And I think that's what's good about it. I'll go back to women in a second. That's how I weird. Um, (laughs) But what's how it's presented is very interesting because it never actually says, it's very rarely it says, this is all of the setting. It's often in these city-states, this is considered. In these city-states, this is considered. And then the desert people have their own lives. So it's very, there's a lot of um, texture to it as opposed to just, this is Arabia and everyone's like this. Yeah, it's it's not, it's not a tarred of a huge brush saying no. this is what marriage is. This is what, and I agree. What it is interesting because it's also like this is traditionally what it's been. Mm-hmm. But if you see a female merchant that has five husbands in different ports who control yeah. that part of the empire, uh, that part of their business, sorry, that's also acceptable. And you and it's like it's not. It just says it in such a way. Again, I think it comes down to that writing. It's just like mm-hmm. this is not an unusual thing. Just letting you know. And I'm like yeah. that's actually really cool because it's not like. What a woman! Yes, she is noted for it. Who's got her own business and also <laughs> has more than one husband? And what yeah. you know, the talk of like obviously sort of marriage and sort of divorce mm-hmm. as well. Again, it's maybe some traditional in certain places, like you know, usually it is a woman that's arranged uh, to the first cousin, etc., and the split between them, all that sort of thing. But then you know, it's divorce says, well. There's no harm in it as long as they agree, like, oh, we're both being divorced or whatever. But then there's rule rules, she says in quotation marks, but like it's not like a horrible, like, oh, you know, there's stories about people who couldn't be together, but then do eventually get together in some way. And it's just like you said, it does feel more open and not as judgmental. I guess it comes from that whole thing about not judging what gods you believe in, as long as you believe in a god. And I think that's the thing, is that as long as you are a part of society or you know, are part of this structure, Mm. it doesn't matter if you're in a traditional role or if you're in uh, an untraditional role, it doesn't matter as long as you're a part of the society. Yeah, and I think a large part of that as well is brought across mechanically by classes not being particularly gender-locked. There isn't mm-hmm. like, um, with these kits, there are a couple, and they say they are the exceptions. So, for example, one of the kits for clerics is to be a wise woman. Now, obviously, that is gender-locked to to a female um, presented character. The Hakim, um, yeah. The Hakim, yeah. But they are the exception, and it makes a point of saying this is the exception. Same with there are various organisations throughout the lands. Uh, there are particularly groups of what we would call assassins. Mm-hmm. And actually, he Jeff writes about this and he says, the West has a almost a wrong, but a more a twisted concept of when we say assassins, we think of one thing. We think these are groups that go out and kill. Where actually they were very different. These were organisations. It comes from the Arabic Hashashin. And it's sort of groups more that were, they did do that. But they were also information gatherers. They were also political activists. They would also be, um, you know, they would go into areas to provide help, um, you know, almost like go in and say, you know, with their agenda in mind, I'm not saying, but they would go, you know, like these groups, uh, Mm. religious groups that give out food and water. Mm. But you got to come for a meeting kind of thing. They would do that kind of thing. And these groups exist throughout the the realm of, I'd say, forgotten realms. Maybe they do. Mm. Um, And again... They're not gender locked. There are a couple that are, and again, yeah. they are pointed out as this is unusual. Mm-hmm. But there literally is not only precedent, 
for encouragement to play as a woman assassin mm -hmm. going into a different society and doing assassin things yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. without it being like a woman assassin and she has to, didn't expect that yes and she <laughs> yeah. has to probably seduce her enemies to death in yeah. a classic you know that's how women can a kill the towel. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly no, they were just and, and as you've already mentioned there are merchant princes and merchant princesses i don't like that sounds horrible no, but, but there i know are, what you mean yeah Merchant Sultans and Merchant Sultana. Didn't know the Sultana was the uh, organization of Sultan because yeah. you're like, he a little raisin. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and it's not unusual. And that's yeah. cool. That's really cool because that in its texture means if your character from the Forgotten Realms warps across, you don't have to be like the, yes, gaze upon me, I'm a female warrior of level 15. Everyone be like, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's all done. So you don't have to have that moment of, oh, this is against everything we believe. It's just exactly. like, cool. And one of the best examples, I think, uh, this, they talk mm -hmm. about the city of intrigue, so Hayal, and mm -hmm. they have a female sultan in charge there because her husband has died, but she's in charge. And, and it has, it's almost two, three, yeah, almost three pages of mm -hmm. history. So again, what it's great in this adventurous guide, it sort of breaks down very uh, lonely planets, I would say. So you've got obviously a quick description who the ruler is a bit about the court things you would know as an adventurer what the city is etc and it talks about her family it feels very much and i appreciate again very western concept here very much like keeping up the kardashians in the sense of here is the leader here are all her children who are all different in certain ways and it's like but why is the husband missing and all that sort yeah. of thing and and it's Again, in the book, it's like it could be any number of reasons why this is the case, but it's quite nice. It's a nice mixture of, you know, who's going to take over from this from this queen essentially, and the, and this, yeah. the answer is hopefully none of them because they're yeah. all horrible. Yeah, um, yeah. but it's and that's yeah. an adventure hook right there. One of them approaches you and says. Could you, you know, look, look into my brother? And then yeah. the brother says, well, my sister is my being very, you know. And it's very secretive, yes, yeah. all that sort of thing. And that's a whole event. And I really, really like that every fact, and I'm bunny earing, has free explanations in the DM's guide because mm -hmm. as a DM, I was reading that and I was like, that would be a cool adventure. That would be a cool adventure. That would also be a cool adventure. All of these will be cool adventures. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of texture to this setting. It's very well done down to proficiencies i really like that there are proficiencies that have been introduced which are things like grooming how yeah. well you present yourself is massive mm, social station is quite social, key yeah. social station man we haven't talked about that that is oh. massive uh, bureaucracy bait all these things that actually make an adventurer more than a dungeon slaughterer you're not just a, a fighter you're a corsair you know who has proficiencies in debate and grooming yeah yeah it's amazing That's, hair on the on the high yeah, seas salt <laughs> yeah, um, like. yeah it's also like yeah uh, an amazing like debater and can chat people's ears off and stuff and that immediately yeah. makes it more interesting than a fighter Yes, um, and I was going to quickly mention because it talks about haggling a little bit as well. And one of the yeah. the very few I would say review videos of Alkahim did say well, when they were playing through an Alkahim setting, because obviously haggling is such a big part of society, it's sort of a back and forth that sort of debate. So it can increase shopping episodes. 
a lot And if you're not interested in that That's yeah. totally fine But I just think that was quite interesting Because obviously shopping episodes That sort of thing People do love trying to haggle And getting their thing Even in yeah. in, in, a, in a fifth edition sort of thing So I quite liked how the, there is like Almost like a skill for that And it's like This is an important part of society So you have to be prepared Going in Going I know what you want All that yeah. sort of thing <laughs> And it gives you so much to buy There is mm-hmm. an equipment list in this Which is huge um, In the in the uh, yeah, players it's, all, it's almost over seven pages in the in yeah. the uh, Arabian Adventures, yeah. So you really have so much, but also you have magic items introduced which are very specific, and some of them are so just sort of wonderful. And again, I, I you know I might be way behind here in terms of what is available. One of my favourites was a, a razor of truth. Did you see this one? No, a, tell it, us about it. A, it. It is a barber's razor, hmm. and when you're shaving someone, you can question them. And if they lie, it nicks them. Whoa! You know, that is an NPC right there, the barber, that you know has got the razor of truth. So they, you know, you can question, you can chat to the the person they're shaving. And then if it nicks, then oh, and that's... That's brilliant. That that adds. You know, that's, you can... that's so small and every day. Yeah. And just, yeah, it, again, feels very much like that low level, like everyone knows you've just lied or something. You're like, everyone yeah. knows it. It's, it's, it's just like, yeah, unstated. I love that. Yeah, that's so it cool. means you can imagine an adventure, you say a shopping episode, but a shopping episode with the barbers and the baths and the, you know, the, the intrigue kind of thing could be just, could be as much mm-hmm. fun as exploring the desert um, mm-hmm. and the dungeons. Interestingly, how did you feel about. There doesn't seem to be much talk of dungeons. For a game of Dungeons and Dragons, mm. there I, are ruins. Yes, there, yeah, because there's definitely uh, other civilizations that have been mm-hmm. lost to the sands of time and all that yes. sort of thing. I actually don't mind because I think, because I will say, one of the things I certainly struggled with with the Adventure Squad is that there are so many cities. And I, this is something definitely for me that happens all the time. As soon as there's more than three cities in the book, I lose interest. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but I think, again, it does a very good job of like, here's, here's it structured and all that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I think, because you've got so many choices for cities and then like you said you've got big travel stuff between them usually on camelback all that sort of thing and you've got the desert with the with the sort of the desert dwellers and and that sort of thing i don't think you need like yeah obviously it talks about monsters as well as a little supplement about that if you go into the mountains you have the evil yak man uh which is terrifying i love yeah, that idea. they're like ogre-sized yak people yeah, aren't they which, big. Like, which the picture, pretty... like if i hold up the picture of it like how terrifying yes. is that like they are they are in 5e i investigated this they are appear they? in the storm gods thunder oh um supplement. Uh, she says, looking at it, uh, says, Storm, Storm King's Thunder. Yes, they are in that. So they do have of a kind of course, yes, they do. They do. Um, I think the only monster, and genies, I think, uh, that appear yes. in 5e from this. And mm-hmm. they are mentioned as coming from this place. Uh, so I think that's the one the one, one through line kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, I'm just looking at the chat. There are literally chapters of cities. There's yeah. Cities of the Heart, Cities of the North, Cities of the Pearl, Cities of the Pantheon, and Cities of the Ancients. Yeah, so again, so you've got a whole ton of like cities that easily enough that you can put your own city in and whatever or whatever means so. Yeah. But I quite like again, it talks about certain, say, the um Al Badir. And again, mm-hmm. the, the different tribes about that. And again, when it sort of breaks down the sort of like, okay, this tribe has um also this clan, sorry, has this ruler, and they've been told they shouldn't go into the city because only their death will be met there, and all that sort of thing, because it's received visions. And that that I think is quite cool. This idea that why people wouldn't go into these cities or yeah. they don't trust them. Or there's definitely, I apologies, I can't remember which tribe it is uh, that they got split. Half of them mm. did go into the city and half of them don't. And they, it's this sort of tension between them now as a result. 
for me, alcohol is about this. It's about the society aspect of it. So you've got obviously yes. you've got the, the the honor, you've got the family, you've got the hospitality stuff. So it's about that, and I guess politics mm. onto a certain level. But then it's so sort of structured in a way that I think yeah. local politics would be quite interesting. That because mm. as a group of venturers, you probably could affect which of the new sultan will take over, or which of the grand caliph of this city of this region. Yes, you have room to play. I think it's a setting where you've got room to play. Ignore the pun, but it's sort of a big sandbox in a way. Right? Yeah, because if you go to Waterdeep and depose the council, mm. that's pretty big. It's right? huge, yeah. Whereas <laughs> here, yes, you've got the Grand Caliph and you are not. You know, There's no not. way, yeah. But you can go to Kadarasto, the city most sinister, great name, <laughs> and mess around there with the town elders because it gives you enough, tells you a little bit about it. But it, it's enough, that, as you say, a big sandbox to use a mm. terrible pun. Yeah, it is very um, terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think the the freeness of it is really interesting. In that, I wonder if a West March's campaign would suit it very much. That yes. you, you take one city, you delve into it, you really flesh it out, and then you have a look at the surrounding terrain, mm. work out what tribes live in that terrain, and then almost, you know, you're never going to travel to the holy city. Actually, you've heard yes. of it. And maybe that's the end of the campaign. You travel to the next city, but it'd be a very good West Marches style. Let's pick one of these cities, flesh it out, and we hang around here. And we become known here, and we're invited to all the coffee parties here. Yes. And then we can move on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, in fact, now just looking at some of these things. And what's really fun with each of them is you get a little rumour and law. So this is about yes. Cadastro, uh, Cadarasto, which city most sinister, great name. Legends persist that the ancient passages and catacombs of the city's past have survived. Followers of the old cult gods are said to have used these places in the secret worship of their savage idols. Such adultery does not officially exist in Cadarasto, so the Cadive does not go looking for it. Great. There you go. There's your dungeon. I mentioned there's no dungeons, but yes, there are literally right there. Mm. A whole campaign of you going down into the deep and finding these ancient Mm. gods. And then you've got, again, that campaign, my favourite setting of the city, something underneath the city, and a little bit of stuff around it. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. And it's interesting as well, like I know we kind of mentioned it a little bit at the topic, but not all of it is, obviously you have this huge desert, this sort of haunted <laughs> lands throughout, and then you have big water stuff as well. But also it does talk about salt plains and, and mountains and stuff like that. So actually it's a really yeah. rich, varied place. Jungles, so, jungles, jungles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where, again, maybe a Western side of it, oh, it is the big sandy place. So well, actually there's so much around it as well. Yeah. It's just one part of it. So I guess, yeah, you could easily just, like you said, just stick to a city for the majority of it and never go out of it depending on how you play it or you're always in sort of the desert area mm. with the different tribes and stuff and just making your way up to the city of delights for whatever reason but just taking your time or even just beyond the crowded sea at the bottom and there's all these different islands there that obviously that hence why it's called the crowded sea and there's some yeah. of them are mapped most of them are not so again perfect like cool we're just in the setting we're just going to look at islands for the rest of this so yeah lots yeah. of it lots of the versatility there's a very useful little key on the back as well I'm holding it up now, which shows you all the different mm. types of dunes and stuff, which is very useful if you are reading the book Dune as well. <laughs> um, and it tells you the difference. But yeah, it is very important not to fall into the, it has to be about Bedouins, it has to be about dust mm. and sand. Yeah, the crowded seas would be a brilliant, you know, because then you can just invent your own islands. These islands aren't mapped. So yeah, that's Fionaville. And, you know, and then there's... Yes, <laughs> finally. <Yeah. laughs> it's a one woman going, this is mine. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> and 
also, if you want to delve deeper, there's a whole line of supplements. Unlike, oh say, something like, we talked about Blackmore last time I was on mm-hmm. here, where there's barely anything produced. There's loads here. And the biggest supplement was called City of Delights, mm-hmm. which is a box set going into, I think it's about the main city. I can't yeah, remember. The capital, yes, yeah, the capital, yes. Yeah, the capital. Yeah. But uh, it's the, also the just Golden a, Hazoo. Golden Hazoo, but it's also just a city source box. Absolutely full. So... If you really want to play an urban campaign, that's what you want. Which reminds me, there is one city which I really like where the defences are its own slums. It's basically, oh, cool. they've not really made a wall mm-hmm. so someone can come in, but then they're just in these back alleys and the city guard are trained to like pop out and stab you and then run oh. back again kind of thing. So mm-hmm. you could do house-to-house fighting if you really want to do a tactical um, Oh, that's pretty cool. If you're that's a four-head really cool. player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, just quickly looking at that City of Delights thing. So just reading what it says, it says that the City of Delights is the heart of the heart of the enlightened lands. It's a religious and political center of Zakara and say its inhabitants, the most beautiful city in the entire world. But beneath the beauty lies mystery for the court of the Grand Caliph is full of intrigue, as is the Grand Bazaar, full of adventure waiting to happen. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Amazing. And if you really want to just sample it, I think uh, if you want to just sample Alcadim, you don't want to go full hog, you want to run f- a couple of adventures, mm-hmm. I would suggest, and again, obviously all the rules are completely now out of date. You'd have yeah. to, you know, you, you've got to look at Take it. Take your as time. A, yeah, go yeah. through it. Yeah, yeah. I would pick up, and you can get these as PDFs, mm-hmm. you need the Arabian Adventures book, the Alcadim Arabian Adventures book. Yeah. It's, it's not the most interesting read, actually, compared no. to the other two, but it's essential gives yeah. you stuff about the kits it gives you the, the 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 idea of fate and the evil eye and stuff like that it's a good primer mm-hmm. watch those films that i've mentioned yeah also interestingly huge amount of hindi and tamil films made about the arabian nights a very popular um mm-hmm. story in east asia but don't take that as an authority over western because that's still a different part of the world t- telling stories about the, you know a different part of the world so yes absolutely yep. watch those films and there's a couple of supplements one of which is called the golden voyages box alq1 yes. golden voyages which i think is like five dollars on um drive through for the pdf and this is a loose campaign of is Sinbad, basically yeah on the crowded boat. sea yeah yeah you have a boat it keeps sinking you keep having to sort things out and the adventures are a mix of the very Odyssean like as well, because it's the same story, really. Sometimes you're fighting, sometimes you're negotiating with golden star-crossed lovers, sometimes mm. it's a witch has a problem and you need to solve it. Mm. Or there is a dozen and one adventures, which is a great name. Um, <laughs> which gives you a little city, sort of source book. I can't remember the name of the city, but it's pretty cool. But again, there are about a dozen adventures, well, 13 to be exact, a dozen yep. and one. one. Yep. Um, and this starts at level one, goes to level 12. Don't know how that equates nowadays, but that's another fun. Here are some adventures and they go from the bathhouses to dungeons to everything. So if you really, really yeah. listen to this and think, you know what, Rob is right and really handsome. I want to play an Al-Kadim. It's weird that they can tell that for the audio. I know, it's amazing. Um, yeah, crazy. <laughs> um, pick up the Arabian Adventures book. Yes. Pick up the about a dozen and one adventures. Mm-hmm. And you can get inspiration from that. Maybe you don't play it, but you'll find something. Or maybe you'll find something you can transpose across to your to your traditional setting. Yeah. But I think the lesson of Al-Kadim is presenting the society is so important to making it a more believable and interesting place to be. Yeah. 
Um, I completely agree. And, okay. Yeah, and just yeah. look and just looking at the yeah dozen and one adventures that you said. There's bathhouses, deceptive ghouls, raucous merriment with desert riders, uh, the sacred salt bond between host and guest, and a boasting contest. You know, so it is yeah. a whole range of stuff, and it's just. You know, that's the thing. I think all of this, like, is that it should be should be telling more interesting stories, and it's the same old, same old. I know it's popular, and you, when you first get into it, like, I know I'm a big fan of the Norse gods, and I like, I think they're amazing, and I love reading stories about it. But actually, I don't know anything really about the rest of the world. So, getting myself introduced to that, but again, like you said, not saying that this is the authority on it, but still no. being open to these things, it makes you yeah. yourself a better storyteller just to to go in and be inspired by these things yeah. and tell it sensitively as well. Yeah, I really think you can. I think you have so much fun. I mean, you need to pick up the book, Thousand One Arabian, you know, really nice, because that is the text. And the storytelling is really important, because let's face it, when we're RPGing, we're telling stories. That's what it is at the end yeah. of the day, it's storytelling. And that is a through line in the Alcadim setting of storytelling. There are people yes. who are known for being storytellers. The back of the book literally has like five just stories. They're just legends. Yeah, the appendix has yeah. like yeah, a couple of stories in it, which are great, actually. I really yeah. enjoyed them. Basically a little bit of fiction just at the end there, mm. which is lovely. You know, there's a reason Dragonlance was so popular because it was supported by fiction. Mm. And I think it's important to take that lesson and go, okay, so I've got my world. You're writing your own world, or you're not, you're playing in the Feywild. Let's think about the people in it, not just my five people who are walking around in full plate mail. Let's think about how everyone is and what are the stories that people tell each other here and how can that be brought into my adventure? That mm. texture adds so much. There are a reason these settings are beloved. And I don't want to sound all, all the settings were better in the past. They weren't. No. But I think what's interesting with how D&D is presented now, where you, there, is, there isn't a central setting, is there? Is there? I don't know. Is there? The Sword Coast Forgotten Realms, because that's been the most on it. That has been sort of the starting one, I guess. But obviously, like we've we've obviously got Eberron, obviously Spelljammer, mm-hmm. we're opening up, you yeah. know. So I think hopefully more and more stuff is coming. And I like I do, I actually do hope that somebody does pick up Alkahim and it is treated with just like we've got the journey to the Radiant Citadel coming out, which is amazing. So obviously we're opening up this world. I'm hoping that we have something similar to this, but maybe some part of Alkahim, but maybe a whole load of sort of Eastern Asian adventures. And it's yeah. run, it's written by people who have that history, who ha- know the culture so well that they are happy to share it and get reflected in the in the games we're telling. That would be excellent. I mean, uh, yeah, I've just picked up a RPG called Coyote and Crow, which is um, written by Native American. Americans about a Native America kind of thing. I would love to see the same for this. Uh, mm. I think it'd be really interesting. I'd be interested if they merged Alchemy and Dark Sun. That would be quite a fun way of mm. doing it to make this kind of new world. I think the only issue with Alchemy, I think that, well, there are lots of issues. I think yeah. the issue is if you are not interested in the Arabian Nights, it doesn't offer you a whole lot more no. than that. And it could feel a bit touristy. It could feel a bit like, yes. let's do one adventure in the Arabian Nights and then go home. Let's spend a night and then yes. leave after three days. Yeah. And I think, as I say, there are there are other RPGs that cover Arabian stuff. So why not play them instead of D and D? I think Alcadim is almost too focused. That mm. that you you might. I think having it as part of the Forgotten Realms is better. Mm. Because then it makes, it makes the Forgotten Realms more interesting rather than just, oh, are we in Western Europe again? Yes, we're in yes we are in Western Europe, yeah. But you also don't want the Pathfinder thing where it's like, oh, this is Asia world, this is Africa yeah. world, this is, yeah. you know. Yeah, you don't, you know. well, you don't, because we, we shouldn't be splitting up. No. We should, we, it should be take and give and like sharing. It's like cultural appreciation, you know, rather than appropriation, obviously. But yeah, if we, if we isolate it, then it doesn't do anyone any favours, no. I guess. I'd like to take a map 
and sort of cut out. You could have the Sword Coast. I'd put Tolus on an island in the middle. Of course, you could have Tolus there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and then the crowded sea on the other side. You could make your really, you could really amalgamate your own D&D stuff. And I think Alpidin would suit that. I do think mm-hmm. it being almost ghettoised away yes. makes it suffer as well. Because, I yeah, agree. unless the DM says your boat sinks and you end up there, it's you've got to really go there. And if you're like, I'm not interested in that. And I think all of the settings almost suffer from that. Dark Sun was the same. If you are not interested in swarthy bronze oiled up men... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to stop for a second. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you're, you're not going to want to play Dark Sun because it's yeah. very specific. But again, yeah. if it's a region or an area or a plane that you can easily get to and from, it mm-hmm. comes different. Alcadim could do with being integrated into modern D&D yeah. in a sympathetic and more practical way, I think. And yeah. maybe maybe a bit more fantastical in a way as well. Maybe yeah. push the D&Dness about because you could play Alcadim as a load of humans and ignore the other races because to be honest it does just kind of say there are elves there are dwarves and they're yeah. treated the same as humans and that's it yeah it doesn't really go into much detail about like oh there's yeah. a couple of orcs and stuff but there's no animosity there's no this mm. and you're like that, that's you know great we don't want that cool. but it, again all the all the imagery yeah. is of usually genies or human looking um yeah. humanoids fighting uh, yes. other things on camels and stuff it's yeah. not like here's maybe an yeah. ogre in the background yeah. kind of thing exactly. well, and even then they're presented as the arabian knights monster they're the, they're the cyclops and the harry exactly. Bill. it's very there isn't so that question i posed earlier was a bit of a trick one because what does make it D actually not a huge amount there is no. the magic but the magic has changed and there is the alignment system, but the alignment system's almost dropped. So actually, it's very... It's systemless, it could be. You really could yeah. just take a lot of stuff out of it. Like we talk, when we talked about Tolus, obviously you could have it as the edition or as a cipher system. I, easily yeah. you could take the stuff from here. Because yeah. it doesn't... Yeah, because it talks about like, this leader is usually human male fighter at this yeah. level. You're like, they don't need that. You could put them on yeah. anything like that. Do whatever they want. And even then they are, as you say, human male fighters or human male wizards. That's it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's very... Not much okay. on that. The other quick thing I just wanted to mention, because we I know we've glossed around the problematic areas a little bit. There is a big chunk of the Adventurer's Guide. I think it's just good to point it out. Uh, and it's something I, I hope doesn't get put into it. It talks about slavery and how this is a very mm-hmm. common thing. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that people who are slaves are the unenlightened, in quotation marks, because they don't believe in certain God or they don't believe in yeah. God. And usually you're either uh, in debt, so you get sold mm-hmm. into slavery, so you just pay your debts. And mm-hmm. But it, it's always about the person and not the family. So your family yeah. don't take that stuff on. So that there's, was interesting. There's free way to slavery aren't that there is debt where which is you know a real world thing where people went into debt which you know they could you could refer to it as indentured servitude if you really don't want to use yeah. the, the the slave word you can say okay you're in debt to this person so you got to work for them for seven months you know indentured servitude there's a punishment yep. where the government the, the caliph says right you know, you have to go to the quarries then, yep. which happens now in America yeah. and stuff. You know, that, that, that's a Making thing. Making roads, it, yep. Yeah, exactly. Again, if you don't want to use a slave word, you can still use those ideas. Yeah, the really bad one is the just sort of harvesting barbarian children and stuff and going, well, you're unenlightened, you know what you're doing, let's bring you to the yes. city. And that's the one that you kind of go, oh, that's horrible. That, yeah. That's really grim because that is the same arguments that will bring these African people. We will teach to, them. To, yeah, we will yes. teach them. So 
it puts a real stain on the society, which again, you know, maybe people want that texture of it. I don't want to play in that no. world though. You know, the, the classic thing of you presenting that as a thing and a fact is very like, oh, yeah. it's the ancient Rome problem. I will say it doesn't glorify it. It just say this is no. a part of, this is a part of the society. And it, that's, yeah. that's the thing I want to make it clear about. Cause obviously, yeah, I, I personally would probably get rid of that whole thing. About, I like, I like those sort of, not even solutions, but that sort of thing going, well, there are servants because it makes a point of, you know, hospitality and all that sort of yeah. thing. And like the punishment as well, because again, this this idea of system punishment uh, is quite big in it. But yeah, it just felt like because there's been obviously so much discourse about it. And I will say it's it's slavery for the unenlightened, but that could yeah. mean anyone. Yeah, uh, so you're they, in line, right? You're slavery. Exactly. So so yeah. So I, it is important, I think, to point it out because it is kind of like I think it is out of out of all of it. Like the the female politics stuff. Like again, it's like it doesn't really matter because yeah. you know it's traditionally this, traditionally that. But because slavery is such a big part of the society, and it sort of mentions that in a big fact, sort of like this is what it yeah. is without emotive at all. But it's yeah. just good to just mention it. I think, because otherwise, I don't want to gloss around going, oh, it's a great setting, but yeah, there's slavery yeah. involved. You know? slavery, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's also a land of autocrats and mad caliphs yes. who can have you executed for no reason. You know, yeah. it, it, it isn't, it seems more fun, maybe because if I'm born of Western Europe, maybe it just seems yes. more open and fun because it's something else. But it, yeah, it has problematic elements. I do enjoy the veil thing, just to go quickly back, where yes, please. there yeah. are places where women have to wear the veil. But in those places, men have to wear the veil as yeah. well. I just think that's a really fun little thing. Yeah, yeah, but, and it, and, the, and the, the transparency of it shows yeah. how rich you are, or any all, yeah. you know, all the that's cool. stuff. Again, yeah, it's um, interesting. Yeah, but yeah, no, the slavery element, I, I agree. I, I think you can still have it in in terms of the servitude and the punishment. Agreed. But yeah, the harvesting of unenlightened barbarian children to bring us slaves is just like oh, yeah, that's, that's it. Agreed. So yeah, I would, I would, I wouldn't have that element. Yeah, I, but overall, I think it's great fun. I think it's really good yeah. fun. Yeah, so just to say that, yeah, we looked at the Alcoyim Arabian Adventures and then the mm. box set as well. But as you said, there are so many in the line. And I think it's just a good, just a nice to go and, and learn about these things or just see it as, as a thing. Whilst, again, as we've always said, bearing in mind that it's not the one authority on it. But yeah. I, I do really hope something comes of it, actually. Like, I yeah. I don't I don't think it will. I think what Wizards will do is, like, mm-hmm. what they've done with Radiant Citadel, that sort of thing, they're going to open it up saying, like, let's create our new worlds. Right. Which makes total sense, because then it means they take the narrative, they can tell what they want, etc. But yeah. I do hope that we have something akin to this in the future. Because I, I, I do think, yeah, when I read it, I was like, oh, there's actually so much in here that mm-hmm. actually could just changes the game it's not like you said fight 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 or dungeon 12 etc you could have so it's just a different experience i think we as role players and maybe as storytellers we are missing a little bit so yeah i really i really do think it could if you if if you're not interested in the arabian nights and you want to play a game of thrones style houses dealing with each other this is this book will still have loads for you because Mm. it will have all these politics that you can lift and okay it's not a caliph it's a prince you know but the story is the same actually they've run off and become a profit you know kind of thing and so there really is a lot you can pick up from these for a couple of dollars each it's worth just investigating i think Um, so yeah there will be some things you haven't thought about in there i think it'd be quite fun if a certain sailor did rock up in Waterdeep one day in his boat as a way to introduce it that'd be quite fun as a as a a little adventure anyone coming for adventure yeah yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) his big trousers and his turban and weirdly american accent (laughs) yes of course (laughs) Um, but i do think yeah there's a lot you can pull from this that I think would benefit basically any campaign even if you don't use anything I mean the list of magic items itself just use them they're brilliant they're great fun 
Rob, thank you so much for introducing me to Alkaim and just like, yeah, thumbs up. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. It was just something different to read that's not constant Western Europe, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's very well written, very well written. Yeah, actually just, very just well an written. interesting read as opposed to some <laughs> Blackmore stuff that you have to sort of grind through. <laughs> I, I always say this about second edition books, but m- the majority that I've read about gone, oh, the writing is actually really good. It's just a lot of it. Could have done with a little bit of an edit, but apart from that, yeah. it's all fine. Yeah. But Rob, is there anything mm. you'd like to plug? Anything you'd like to recommend? Yeah, uh, let me think. Um, so I'm back on the podcasting train. Realm of Fire is back recording and releasing. So Woo-hoo. if you want hot Warhammer takes, although interestingly enough, I'm now almost coming out of the Warhammer milieu, but that's, you'll have to listen to the podcast. To listen. I can't find a microphone. You'll... Um, <laughs> Have to listen to the podcast for that. Recommendations. Yeah, watch June. Watch June 2021. It's brilliant. Great film. Brilliant. Great film. Other recommendations? No, not really. Uh, no. I'm sorry. No. I'm very boring at the moment. It's, it's, it's still only no. 10 o'clock in the morning. Are you, are you saying we uh, shouldn't watch Legend of the Sea Devils at all, Doctor Who? <laughs> I didn't mind it. It was short. It should have been longer. Um, <laughs> yes, it should have been much longer. Yeah, because it it's a shame. Jody really has been dealt a tough hand at points. It's it makes me so sad. I, I'm hoping that um, this is completely off D and D. D by the way, <laughs> Doctor Who wise, but I, I'm really hoping she comes back in big finish and she has a lot more exploring of the adventures and stuff. I know she's got uh, books and stuff now, but yes, which yeah. does remind me mm. when Daleks and Doctor. The five E releases. Are we going to cover that? Can I bag Z? Can I bag Z the yeah. coverage of that? Please? When is that? I this don't is... know. I don't know how much further it's got, but I, mean, I want I bag Z. How yeah. how to? Now this is the ultimate square into triangle hole of the <laughs> Doctor Who universe being rammed into D and D's rules. So I'm excited. The announcement came out in February. Mm-hmm. We're expecting that. Oh, it's core editions of the second. Thing that's coming. Does it say when? So yeah, well, I, I assume it will be years, years time, perhaps. But yeah, absolutely, we'll we'll definitely do that. That'll be really interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just to finish off, um, what? Who, who am I? I'm Fiona. Who, who, who am you? I? Who am I? Uh, what am I? I'm I'm a podcaster. Uh, where? Ah, I'm glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> I need to work out this out. What so, the hell is this? Where is a? What am I rolling? It is a twice monthly RPG one shot podcast. As always, it's going very very well. We've had loads of interviews recently with uh, designers behind some freely games. We've had Mertborg. We've had Death in Space. I've recently played Death in Space. Uh, yesterday, at time of recording. Um, which is super fun. Um, we've got other solo RPGs coming out. With Numerera is coming out. It is edited. <laughs> Just all these interviews came up first. Incredible GM. Incredible. The Numenera one, probably the best apparently, GM. Apparently, very good. On the show. You know what? I'd, I'd say very good looking from the sound of the audio. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that. If you listen to it, you'll be like, whoa. When yes. did Brad Pitt become a GM? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. Never. And then obviously we've got uh, Idris Bai that's also coming out by the same GM. Um, we've got loads of other things coming out. And yeah, I think that's, that's it in terms of uh, where stuff we've got our offer code at Third Space Gaming at your friendly local game store in in uh, Burnley. Uh, just type in the offer code DMBC into checkout. Uh, thank you. We're doing the, we're doing the, the hands yeah. gestures for it as you're typing. Um, and you get 10% off your first order, whether that is a pre-order for D, uh, D&D books because they do that. Um, they do have Thousand Year Old Vampire as a solo RPG game, uh, the physical copy, which is beautiful and it's a great game, so I would recommend that. Uh, there's also got Terrain, uh, Minis, d- Dice. Everyone, everyone has Dice. Go get some more Dice. You more dice. More dice, indeed. Well, uh, with all that out of the way, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys on the flip side next time. On the flip side. Stay hydrated, everyone. Stay hydrated. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs>